Gentlemen, welcome back to Pacific Rim right here. 1029, 750 the game. Feels like it's been so long since I've talked to you guys, but in reality, it's only been like a week and a half. But Greg Peterson back with you. My cohort, Judah Newby, not with us. He's been covering some baseball lately, so I figured I would give him this one off. So also decided to change up the intro music a little bit. Gotta keep things a little bit interesting around here, but Great to be back with you as I'm going to be with you guys very, very often because it's right now the offseason in college basketball. And you know what they say? Practice makes perfect. So I've got to get you guys prepared for next college basketball season. And there's been a lot going on with the Oregon Ducks. So we're going to be hitting that. We're going to be hitting all the coaching changes. A lot of players have been transferring. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of everything right now. And we're going to start it off with those aforementioned Oregon Ducks because, well, that is a big team in the state as we all know they went to the final four lost to North Carolina but man a lot of those pieces are missing right now because I don't know if you guys saw but obviously Chris Boucher has graduated they did not award a seventh year of eligibility to Dylan Ennis but Dylan Brooks has went pro he has hired an agent he's gonzo so has Tyler Dorsey and now news has come out that Casey Benson will be transferring from the program as Peyton Pritchard really got the starting role over him. So Casey Benson is out right now. The early leader in the clubhouse is Grand Canyon to get his services as I believe that his brother is an assistant for that team. And Dan Marley is also the head coach of Grand Canyon. He's also from Arizona. Uh, Casey Benson is, and that's where Grand Canyon is located. And next year, Grand Canyon is going to be eligible for the NCAA tournament for the first time out there in the WAC. So that'll be interesting. So we've got a little bit of that going on. And you know what that means? Five of the top players from Oregon are already gone. And I haven't even gotten to Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell, I think that he's going to be gone too. So if that happens, that means that your top six or Six of your top seven scorers from last year are going to be gone. Your top scorer remaining is Peyton Pritchard. Now the question is going to be, oh, what do you think of Oregon for next year? And I've heard so many different expectations all across the board. There are some saying, oh, they'll be back to the final four no time. And I've got other people thinking that they're going to be what Oregon State was this year. I mean, let's be honest here. It's been absolutely outrageous. What I think of Oregon for next year is, I think that Dana Ullman is doing a very good job of recruiting, and I think that he's going to be able to get some good pieces in immediately. I think he's going to be hitting the transfer wire. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going after guys like Chase Jeter from from Duke and guys like that, trying to get this thing reloaded, and we're going to be hitting the transfers in a couple minutes as well, so stick around for that, but... When you take a look at what you know this team is going to be bringing back, Peyton Pritchard, very good point guard. He's stepped up for this team at times this year. There were times in the NCAA tournament where his play was a little bit spotty, but throughout much of the year, he did a very good job of not turning it over. He's showing that he's a capable scorer. He seemed to be getting more and more comfortable in the offense throughout the year. You also have Troy Brown Jr., a five-star recruit coming into this team. He was a part of the Nike Hoop Summit right here in Portland a couple weeks ago as well. His hometown is Las Vegas. It's good to see that they were able to get him in. I believe that on the ESPN Top 
100 list. He was in the top 20. And you got a guy who was like six foot seven. I would say that his game rivals Dylan Brooks as much as anyone else's. So that is going to be huge for this team. Another guy that a lot of people are looking at who is under the radar is another top 100 recruit in Victor Bailey Jr. He is a guy that is from Texas. I believe that his father like used to play football and was like a track star. So this guy has some quickness. He is a shooting guard. He's right around six foot three, six foot four. I don't think he's going to be starting right away. But if you're looking for someone to, just, to sort of take that Tyler Dorsey role, I think that he could do it. Obviously, if Jordan Bell returns to this team, it is going to be mammoth. But with all that said, I just don't think Oregon's going to have enough to obviously win the Pac-12 again. I mean, they won it in back-to-back years. Nothing short of amazing what Dana Altman is doing. And he is one of the best coaches in college basketball. But if you guys saw, Arizona is going to be loaded next year. Alonzo Trier is not going to be going to the NBA draft. He's going to be staying. I mean, you have Laurie Markkinen leaving. But at the same time, Raleigh Alkins, there's still a chance that he could come back because he's declared for the draft, but he has not hired an agent. You got Dusan Ristic is also going to be back for this team. I believe that he was a junior this year, so he's going to have another year of eligibility. So they're still going to have a seven-footer down low. Kobe Simmons is gone, but I mean, he averaged nine points per game. I mean, I don't understand why Kobe Simmons left and hired an agent. I'm sorry, but the guy shot like 33% from three. And in their NCAA tournament games, he had four points against North Dakota. He had two points against St. Mary's in six minutes. And he played a whopping five minutes against Xavier for five points. Whoopty stinking do. What are you doing? Kobe Simmons declaring for the NBA draft. We're going to be getting into that a couple minutes too because you got some guys out there making some really stupid moves in regards to declaring for the draft. I find it absolutely amazing. That's just me though. But I mean, Arizona is going to be head and shoulders atop of the Pac-12, but you take a look at some of the other teams. UCLA is losing Lonzo Ball, and when Lonzo Ball wasn't playing for this team last year, they were 15-17. and 17. They're also no, no longer going to have Bryce Alford. Apparently, uh, Ike... In a Bugu declared for the draft, I don't even know how to say his name. All I know is that he averaged 4.7 points and four rebounds per game, and they expect him to be gone. I mean, and a Nogbu, I mean, why are you leaving college? I don't understand it the, the slightest. Isaac Hamilton is also gone for this team, so they're going to certainly take a step back. I mean, I expect Utah to actually be one of the teams that might take a step forward. We're still waiting on some of the decisions from the USC guys because I feel like USC could be a team that really makes a run in the Pac-12 next year. But when you take a look at Oregon in general, I think that if you can get Jordan Bell back, that would be absolutely huge, but don't plan on it. I think that he's gone. I think he's going to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. But when you take a look at this team, Cavell Bigby-Williams is going to have to step up next year. I mean, he just didn't produce in the NCAA tournament the way that I thought he was going to. He got double-digit minutes in three of their five games, and he just didn't take advantage of it. He didn't score a single point against North Carolina. He had one block the entire NCAA tournament. That has me a little bit concerned because he was the Juco Player of the Year last year out there in college, and it looked like he was taking some strides early in non-conference play. I still remember he got some good minutes against Valparaiso. I mean, in that Maui Invitational, he really did not look good, but I remember in that game against UNLV in which they just blew the doors off of the really bad running Rebels, he looked pretty good there, but when you got to Pac-12 play, his playing time just went away. He was not effective whatsoever. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do because he's a six foot 11, 230 pound big. I mean, he can really give the team something if he's able to step up. Then it also leads to Roman Sorkin. What are you going to expect from him? Because 
when he played in the non-conference slate, he actually got quite a few minutes in quite a few of those games. He was a very capable defender. He's not necessarily a guy that took over the game with his scoring, but he is a capable rebounder. So I want to see what Sorkin can do on a, on a regular basis, see if he can get some minutes, because they're going to need to rely on those guys. With no Jordan Bell, no Chris Boucher, I mean, what do you really have without those two? I mean, you have Sorkin, you got Cabell Bigby Williams. They're not really on the books for any big men, but that's where the transfer game comes in. And you're in and you're out. It has become huge for these for these uh, college teams to get transfers. And what a lot of people are forgetting is that there is an impact transfer that's going to be on the roster for for Oregon because during the offseason they went out and they got a very good player from Georgetown by the name of they went out and got a really good transfer by the name of Paul White he spent his first two years at Georgetown he averaged like 19 minutes per game in his first year he looked like he was really coming on strong that was a team that was a four seed in the NCAA tournament I do believe then in his sophomore year in 2015-2016 his playing time just fell completely off the map, and he is a six foot nine guy. He's got a bunch of strength. He's a Chicago kid. He's going to be a guy that can come in immediately, play for this team. He can shoot the three. In his freshman season, he shot at about a 38% clip from distance. Paul White is going to have to be a big difference maker for Oregon, and I just feel like so many people are forgetting that transfers are becoming paramount in college. And that's what really helped out Dana Ullman because if you remember a couple years ago, I mean, I still remember going on Wisconsin radio and saying, why in the heck is Oregon getting votes for the top 25? And that was after they had obviously that horrible sexual assault scandal that led to Dominique Artis and company all being kicked off the team. They had three players returning from their team that was a seven seed in the NCAA tournament and I do believe that was a 2014 season going into 2014-2015 I thought that Oregon was going to fall completely off the map instead they rose up they got an eight seed then they go to -to back-to-back Pac-12 titles so I mean it's one of those things where you can rebuild quickly they also have a nice player by the name of MJ Cage he redshirted this year he's a six foot 10 225 pound big man you're going to need to have him contribute down low as well if they're able to get that I think that they have something special in Keith Smith he had that nice bucket against North Carolina so many people say that he should have passed I thought that he made the right decision personally he got some time out there in the non-conference slate especially against Valparaiso who I was mentioning before and he actually did have 15 points against Savannah State, but I must say, who was not scoring in that game? I mean, my goodness gracious, you could send out there Greg Peterson, Mr. 5'9", buck 55, soaking wet to get some buckets, but at the same time, it was really encouraging to see Keith Smith, who didn't play for like nine straight games at one point during the season, being able to get some burn, but I mean, when you take a look at the transfer wire, it is going to be huge that Oregon picks up a couple of these guys. Now, it is worth pointing out that some of these guys, they're not going to be able to get because I believe that KJ and Diedrich Lawson have already committed to Kansas. So, obviously, they're not going to be able to get some of those guys, but you take a look at a Chase Jeter who used to play for Duke. 
He is transferring. Sean Obi, he's going to be a graduate transfer. He began his career with Rice. He then played for Duke, and now he's looking elsewhere. It looks like Matt Ryan is also going to be a graduate transfer. Transfer Mario Shayok, that is going to be a huge one. I mean, there are so many players out there. It is very paramount that that Oregon is able to take advantage of this because I graduate transfers are just so huge. Mark Donnell of Michigan, who ironically enough, they played in the Sweet 16. The guys are out there for the taking. I Dana Altman has done a really good job of this. He's done more JUCO recruits, though. I mean, he's run the JUCO route. He did that with Cavell Bigby Williams. He did that a couple years ago when he was able to get that team to the to the uh, NCAA tournament as an eight seed back in 2015. That was the Joe Young year where he just took over and he just said, everyone else, you just you just ride my back because I've got this. I still remember that. He was so amazing. One of the more underrated players in Oregon Ducks history because on the show that I produced the regular guys, we always talk about the greatest players in Oregon history. You never hear Joe Young brought up. And while he only played two years at Oregon, those two years were just absolutely spectacular. I mean, so much of it is because he only played those two years. He used to play for the Houston Cougars, and the good thing that he left there because the Houston Cougars have not been to the NCAA tournament since like 2010, I do believe. Maybe maybe it was 2011, but been a while for them, but he just really took over the game. So it is paramount that they pound and pound heavy on the transfer list. And heck, you never know. You you take a look at some of these guys. They could even go for some forwards because or for some guard play because they could really use just a, a player that's able to shoot, a player that's able to get his own shot because I still remember Dana Altman talking during the season and he noted that Elgin Cook and, and Dwayne Benjamin were missed this year. Those are wing guys that were like 6'8", 6'9". They were able to shoot a three. They were able to give this team an added dimension. I look for those players that I look for the team to be able to target those players. And if they are able to, that would be huge for this team. But there is so much going on in college basketball right now. And one of those things is the coaching carousel. And we've seen it a little bit in the Pac-12 as well with uh, Viking Jones. He is going to be the new coach at Cal as Conzo Martin leaves Missouri or I should say leaves Cal and he goes to Missouri and he takes over for Kim Anderson, who never deserves another D1 coaching job in his life because if you remember Missouri the past three years, flaming garbage can of a college basketball team, I ripped the hire from the start and I predicted that Kim Anderson would be fired and lo and behold, I was right. Of the nine coaches I spotlighted in mid-February, by the way, and this is really bad that I'm bragging about this. I mean, I feel bad when people lose their job. I try to be a nice guy, but these guys are making millions of bucks. There's an expectation that needs to be had when people are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. These are some of the top paid public employees in their state. And when you don't get it done, you deserve to be fired, much like Kim Anderson. Kim Anderson, in three years at Missouri, his road record... Zero wins, 30 losses. Let that marinate. Zero wins on the road in three years. He also let Jonathan Williams transfer from his team to Gonzaga. And lo and behold, Jonathan Williams went from a team that won zero road games in three years to playing for a national championship. Go figure. I mean, Kim Anderson was a Division II coach from, I believe, Northwestern Missouri. I mean, it was like Northern Missouri, Northwestern Missouri, one of those. I mean, nobody really cares. It's a D2 school. 
uh, the fact that they hired a Division II coach to coach an SEC program, and lo and behold, it didn't work out. I mean, what a shocker. Seriously, what are some of these what are some of these schools thinking when they make some of these moves? I mean, I I think that Viking Jones is gonna do okay at Cal, but at the same time, Cal has the money to where they could have gotten a better coach rather than promote an assistant to a head coaching job. I mean, we've seen it work out with some of these programs, like Greg Gard taking over for Bo Ryan. Greg Gard was the right hand man at Wisconsin for so long, but sometimes you just have to go out there, get one of those big names. I mean, heck. Even for NC State, they fired Mark Godfrey, but at least Mark Godfrey got the team to the Sweet 16 a couple times. He got them to the dance. I mean, he was fired after five or six years on the job, but I mean, to say that the Mark Godfrey hired was was a uh, travesty or anything like that would be far from the point. So you got to go after some of these guys that have had some success. I mean, even St. Louis last year went after Travis Ford. They got him. I mean, he underachieved at Oklahoma State, but at the same time, he's been on the stage before, so... I mean, I like it when teams go for it, and some of these hires have just been a little bit befuddling. And here, I've got everything all pulled up. Here are some of the coaching changes that have been made. We're going to go alphabetically here, by the way. So this is from ESPN. I'm not going to BS you here. I mean, at Akron, you had Keith Dambrot out. He took another job. And in comes John Gross, another coach that I thought was going to be fired. He was fired at Illinois. So that made me eight for nine. And that's really sad. The only coach I was wrong on was Clemson's Brad Brownwell. I thought that he was for sure going to be fired from Clemson. I mean, Brad Brunel. I think the team won four games in the calendar year of 2017. They have not been back to the NCAA tournament since 2010. Clemson, shame on you for not making me nine for nine. But that's where we are. So Dan Brod is out. John Gross is in. Alabama A&M fired Willie Hayes. They have yet to hire his replacement. Alabama A&M, they're in the swag, so nobody really cares. Arkansas State, nobody cares. Austin P. Dave Luce got fired, or actually retired, so Matt Figure is taking over for him. I don't even know who that is, so, I mean, that's how much I know. Bethune-Cookman made a change, nobody cares. Already talked about Cal. Cleveland State is interesting. Gary Waters is out. He was there for a long time. He just couldn't break through. And in comes Dennis Felton, and you also have Chattanooga. Matt McCall took a job elsewhere, and replacing him is actually a Wisconsin assistant by the name of Lamont Paris. Chattanooga was actually a big underachiever this year, so that's worth watching. Dayton is a big one because Archie Miller obviously took that job at Indiana. He is now out, so bring, they bring in Anthony Grant, who had so much success at VCU, who, ironically enough, is also going through their own coaching change as they bring in Mike Rhodes from from uh, Rice, who is replacing Will Wade, who is now at LSU. And as you can tell, this thing is getting very, very convoluted very, very fast. So if you need to replay this five times, play a game of Connect the Dots, whatever you need to do to keep keep up, please do so. Uh, Ray Giacolotti, I believe I said that correctly. He was the coach at Drake. He got fired on very early this year. Nico Medved is now the head coach there. Open for good things for Nico. And Keith Dambrod, who I was talking about before, he's now the head coach at Duquesne after they fired Jim Ferry. 
he was quite a fairy, and he did not deliver. George Washington, Mike Longergan, everyone remembers he had that whole incident with his players where he was like verbally assaulting them and things like that. Maurice Joseph is taking over. The big one is Georgetown. I think that Georgetown made a home run hire here because John Thompson III, he was not getting the job done. I still remember, I think it was in six straight NCAA tournaments, Georgetown was knocked out by a team who was five seeds lower than them. They had another garbage can season. Obviously, Paul White transferred from that program, and now he's going to be playing for the Oregon Ducks next year. He's replaced by Patrick Ewing. Bravo to them. Huge hire. I mean, if nothing else, Patrick Ewing is going to hook in a bunch of five-star recruits because, I mean, if you're like an 18-year-old kid, why wouldn't you want to play for Patrick Ewing? I mean, you're out there on the East Coast. You've got, you've got all of the history behind it. I know that kids care less and less about history, and they care more about uniforms, swag, things like that, but Patrick Ewing is going to get kids in there. He's been an assistant in the NBA for so long. I know that the NBA is different from, is different from college, but at the same time, you got a Georgetown guy in there. You got a guy who's been in coaching for forever. This is a perfect hire. I think it was the best hire that anyone made, but that's just me. You take a look at Illinois. John Gross was out, and that made me correct on this one. I'm throwing a parade for someone getting fired. I am a bad person. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I'm sorry, guys. I, I've let you down here. But Brad Underwood who was previously at Stephen F. Austin, spent one year at Oklahoma State. He is taking over for them, and Oklahoma State, to replace Brad Underwood, brought in Mike Boynton. He was actually an assistant under Brad Underwood at Stephen F. Austin, followed him to Oklahoma State. So essentially, Mike Boynton, in the in the course of 13 months, went from being an assistant at Stephen F. Austin to the head coach of Oklahoma State. That is incredible, people. And then, obviously, at LSU, you had Will Wade taking over, like I said before. Johnny Jones got the got uh, fired, and he should have been fired last year, in all honesty. If you can't make the NCAA tournament with Ben Simmons, I mean, what are you doing as a head coach? I'm sorry. And then you had Craig Victor leave. I mean, they had Tim Quarterman for a while, and then he decided to leave so that he could be on the bench for the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, Johnny Jones has no idea what he's doing. I think he made, like, the NCAA tournament a couple times with North Texas. Yippee skippy. Woohoo. He sent the mean green to the NCAA tournament. Fantastic. And then I was talking about Matt McCall a little bit earlier. He left Chattanooga. His new stopping grounds is UMass as they fired Derek Kellogg. You also take a look at NC State. Kevin Keats is a new head coach there. He was the head coach at UNC Wilmington and a friend of the program. As he, as I still remember, he talked to us on Pacific Rim before the NCAA tournament. Replacing him at UNC Wilmington, by the way, C.B. McGrath. Big name. Big name. He also had at UC Santa Barbara, Bob Williams was canned, and Joe Pasternak is now the head coach there. Washington, this is obviously a big one for the Pac-12. Lorenzo Romar out. Thank goodness gracious, Lorenzo Romar should not have been at Washington as long as he was. The last time Washington went to the NCAA tournament, the Pac-12 was known as the Pac-10, and a guy by the name of Isaiah Thomas was playing for them. Mike Hopkins, the longtime assistant at Syracuse, is now taking over. They got a California guy. I still remember he once was injured surfing while he was at Syracuse a couple years ago, and he learned under one of the best. You can expect a lot of zone defense out there in Washington. I mean, obviously, they were not able to retain Michael Porter, who is now going to be playing for Missouri. He was... He followed Conzo Martin out there, but at the same time, Washington, despite the fact that they were getting all these one-and-done guys and these great recruits, they were doing absolutely nothing with them. So I think Washington made the right move by canning 
by Canning Romar. And New Mexico, Craig Neal is out. Paul Weir, the head coach at New Mexico State, is in. That was a a recent one as New Mexico State still looking for a new head coach. And they're looking for a new head coach for the second straight year as Marvin Menzies also left that program. He decided to take the head coaching job at UNLV. Wish him nothing but the best. If you're taking a look at this very city in Portland, there actually was a move as Tyler Geving is out. Barrett Peary is in. If you missed that interview with John Canzano, you can check that out on the 1029-750 The Game SoundCloud page. Hoping for all the best from Peary, but at the same time, this is a guy who was an assistant at Santa Clara. I mean, the Broncos, nothing really to write home about. I I just felt like there was possibly more to be had with Luke Jackson, who was a great at Oregon. Obviously, the communication there was not the best, but listen to the interview yourself. I mean, John Canzano had everything covered every single angle so you can take a look back at that so a couple more uh coaching changes to get you all caught up on quinnipiac tom moore is out baker dunleavy yes the son of the great mike dunleavy he is in so that's a proud day for the dunleavy family for seattle cameron dollar is out they've got no more dollars as jim hayford is now in there. And then Brian Gregory is back into the game as he's taken over at South Florida for Orlando Antigua. I mean, South South Florida has been bad. I still remember they've somehow, someway won two games on the NCAA tournament in 2012. And ever ever since then, I will be very professional in how I address it. Yeah. I mean, it's been bad for them. And then the last one, Jerry Slocum finally out at Youngstown State, and Jared Calhoun is in. So that is all you need to know about the coaches. I mean, that was a very, very quick and dirty, but, I mean, a lot of teams did get better. Georgetown, I really like what they did. I think George Washington is on the uptick. This is a team that made the NCAA tournament quite a bit with Lonergan, and they were averaging, like, five players leaving per year. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I think they had 20 players transfer out of the program in four years. Now that they've got some stability, that's a team out there in the A-10 that could make the NCAA tournament next year, and going down the line, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. So I like their prospects. I should also point out that Sean Sean Wood over at Moorhead State, he was canned pretty much at the beginning of the year, and Preston Baldwin is currently the head coach. He was pretty much coaching all year long. That's why I sort of overlooked that one. If you're taking a look at other winners, I think that New Mexico did a good job in hiring Paul Weir. He did a very good job at New Mexico State leading them to the NCAA tournament as a 14 seed. I still remember he was on Pacific Rimbo, by the way. You could check that out in the archives. He's a very good head coach. I think that he's going to do fantastic things with the Lobos. I mean, the Mountain West is way down, especially with Steve Fisher retiring from San Diego State. I don't know who's going to be replacing them quite yet because they have not announced a hire for them. But I do think that that if if everything go, falls into place for Weir, he can get them back into, into the tournament within two to three years. And it also shows just how great of a job Steve Alford did with New Mexico. Getting them to like a three seed twice in the NCAA tournament, I mean, that's nothing short of incredible. For the New Mexico Lobos, I mean, they've got some history, but at the same time, it is still New Mexico. So, I mean, you got to give them some props there. And I also think that I also think that Oklahoma State, I think that Boynton is going to be okay. But like I said, 12 months ago, this guy was an assistant head coach or an assistant with the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks. I mean, that is quite a rise. 
I think that Quinnipi acted well with Baker Dunleavy. I really like their prospects. I think that South Florida with Brian Gregory. Brian Gregory actually was getting things turned around at Georgia Tech before he was unfortunately fired. I mean, he, they did make the NIT in his last year there. I, he had some success at Dayton as well. Really laid the groundwork so that Archie Miller could do what he did. And Archie Miller, I think he's going to do a great job with Indiana. So I think there were a bunch of good hires, a couple of hires that, well, I just don't think they made the, quite the right move. I mean, Viking Jones, I still think that Cal could have gotten a bigger name. I mean, Akron, I think they made a home run hire with John Gross. I ripped them time and time again. Or I ripped Gross time and time again for his job at Illinois, but... I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy that led Ohio to very nearly making the elite eight of the NCAA tournament back in 2012. So I just thought that the Big Ten wasn't quite suited for him. I think that in the MAC, he's going to be a terror. I think that Akron is going to be a good team. I mean, heck, you've got the Furman Paladins. I think that they could do good things with Bob Ritchie as well. So I mean, lots and lots of movement in college basketball and it leads me to this because I'm going to be trying to do a little bit of a coaches series right here on Pacific Rim. I'm going to try to talk to as many coaches as I can during the off season. So a lot of these guys are taking new jobs. I'm going to be reaching out to these schools. I'm going to try to get them on for you guys. I'm going to try to just pick their brains, see why they decide to leave their school, what redeeming qualities that job has, so on and so forth. I'm not going to be asking about them about their favorite food or anything like that, but it's going to be fun. We're going to have a party here in the USA, as Miley Cyrus would say. So, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. And there's just so much going on in college basketball during the offseason that very few people pay attention to. I mean, you've got all these transfers I was mentioning earlier. Obviously, I didn't go through the entire, like, five billion player list because there are just some garbage players at transfers because it's like, really? You average 0.3 points per game in three years at DePaul, and now you think you're going to be playing for the Wisconsin Badgers? What the heck? So, I mean, there's just there's just so many different layers to college basketball. And really, championships are built right now with your recruiting. It's also built with being able to make those hires because it you just can't win without the players. So I think that I think that it's very important to be covering all this. I mean, it's not quite as exciting as say the NBA offseason where you've got whether or not Kevin Love is gonna be returning to the Cleveland Cavaliers or not or anything like that, but it's something that it's sort of like eating your vegetables. You got to cover it. So that, so that way you have an idea of what's coming for the regular season. And for this bracketologist, always have to stay on my game. So I'm going to be bringing the heat all off season. Figured I would make this one a little bit shorter, a little bit sweeter. Just talk a little bit about Oregon. Talk a little bit about the coaching changes that have occurred. So hope you guys enjoyed this. A lot more is going to be coming. Going to be planning on a bunch of interviews. Going to be reaching out to guys. But even reach out to some NBA guys. See what their thoughts are on some of their favorite colleges as well. So lots to come right here on Pacific Rim. Don't think that because college basketball season is over that we are off. Because I work at this 24-7-365. I was so guilty that I didn't put one out last week. So here we are back again right here from the 102.9750 The Game Studios right here in the PacWest Center. Hope you enjoyed this and a lot more to come, my friends.